Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Brian. Uh, wanted to go ahead and just get a podcast recorded here. I've been been rambling around south uh, southern part of Kansas, and I found some amazing spots that I want to share with y'all. Um, first off, if you're going through Kansas, I want to let you know that the Kansas Department of Wildlife, what they're doing is they're going through, and pretty much every county now has what's called a state fishing lake. And I visited two this weekend. I, I, I did the Cowley County state fishing lake and that's located over by um, Arkansas City but if you're in Kansas it's Arkansas City and it's just to the east of there probably about 15 minutes right off the highway and there's a killer waterfall there it's really pretty so I'd recommend going there and checking it out you can camp all around the lake there's there's actually a section up above the lake kind of by the waterfall area to where you can camp or you can go right down by the water and there's some really great uh, places right on the water there that I'd, I'd recommend checking out. So anyway, um, I was there, and then now I, I just left Independence, Kansas. I was out here at the Montgomery County State Fishing Lake, and that, that lake is, is really pretty. Uh, there's good fishing in there. Not as large of fish as what you'll find over at the Cowley County State Fishing Lake, but still good, good size, largemouth. And largemouth bass and then there's a few other species in there as well and the thing I like about the the Montgomery County State Fishing Lake is that it's real heavily wooded and you kind of feel like you're secluded when you're when you're camping there even though there's people pretty much dispersed all throughout that area camping especially on the weekends I think the weekdays are pretty free um, it's Sunday, and I, when I just left there, and there wasn't anybody there. But last night when I was there, there, there were quite a few people. And the only thing I would say is that, you know, with it being close to Independence, Independence is not that small of a town. It's a decent-sized town here in the Midwest or in Kansas. And so um, you will get some, some traffic of people coming out there, you know, to fish or whatever it may be. And then I noticed last night some people were going out there to party a little bit. So I'd recommend, like, if you're truck camping or tent camping or anything like that, take a small fan with you to create some white noise. And that way, if people are, you know, driving around or playing their stereo or just whatever it may be, it's not gonna it's not gonna bug you and keep you up. Because I was up last night till about 1:30 in the morning, and the thing that was keeping me up is there was a person that was at the spot next to me. And when I say the spot next to me, I don't mean right next to me. They're they're spaced out about 20 yards apart. Uh, maybe even a little bit longer than, or a little bit further than that. But this person had an RV and they ran their generator until about one o'clock in the morning, which that's not that bad. I can usually sleep if I hear a generator. But the the big issue was is they had some pretty large dogs, and they just weren't they weren't paying attention to them at all. And I think these dogs were just bored out of their mind, and they were just barking nonstop. And I mean, it was like that deep, like you know, just nonstop all night from basically 4 p.m. until about 1.30 or about 1 o'clock a.m. And then I noticed it stopped and I thought, okay, what's going on? Because I, I, I just stayed awake. I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep because it was just so intrusive. And what had happened was is they, I guess they just decided to leave, so they packed up and left. And maybe it was because their dogs were out of control. I don't know. But, you know, if you do have dogs, I, you know, I, I travel full-time with Sierra and I camp with her. And I always try to be mindful of of her and and try to make it to where um you know if she is barking or something like that I, I try to get it under control really fast and not have it to where it's going to bother the neighbors around me because i just feel like you know consideration is key when you're 
when you're camping, whether it's at a formal campground or if you're dispersed camping or, or whatever it may be. It's like after 10 p.m., you know, it's kind of the unwritten rule that, that you, you chill out. And in a, in a formal campground, it is a written rule that you, that's like the quiet time from, I think, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. But when you're dispersed camping, people tend to think like, oh, hey, it, you know, it's no holds barred. I'll do whatever I want. You know, you hear a lot of people say, well, it's my public land. I do what the fuck I want out here. It's like, well, yeah, but it's also everybody else's public land. So be considerate of others and don't be an asshole. And I think if you do that, you'll find that, that everybody around you, it'll be a real pleasant experience. Um, I would not recommend going up to an RV or anybody's camp that does have aggressive dogs. Um, reason being is you don't know what those people are like. They could be really nice people. They could really not, not be nice people. And um, you don't want to get yourself into a situation to where you're putting yourself in danger with some individuals who, you know, maybe they're drinking Maybe they're not in the right frame of mind at that moment when you walk up there. And if they unleash their dogs on you and their dogs attack you, then you know, you've got a lot, of, a lot of problems on your hand. So I would just say, um, as a general rule of thumb, if that happens and if it persists, either move your camp to a location where you're not being bothered by that or you know, just tough it out and realize that, okay, it's, you know, it's just the evening. It'll pass. It's no big deal because it's not worth getting into a big conflict over Especially when you're when you're really far back into the backcountry, say you're dispersed camping in the middle of nowhere somewhere, and somebody has an aggressive dog, and uh, you go up and ask them to be quiet, and then it, it can escalate real quick, and you know the authorities can't respond out there, so you have to keep that in mind. And I think that you know you always want to go the route of trying to defuse a situation or trying not to cause a situation at all, because you just don't know what you're going to get. So. I mean, everybody says, well, I, you know, I, I'll carry a gun and all that stuff. Yeah, but do, do you really want to use that? I mean, do you want to be in a situation where you have to use some sort of force like that? I, I don't. I'd rather avoid it at all costs. And then worst case scenario, if something comes up, you know, then I can use my protection items that I have on me to, to defend myself. But I don't ever want to go that route. I don't I don't want to be in that situation. So um, just want to touch on that real quick. But but back to the <clears throat> the state fishing parks that are in Kansas Pretty much every county has one, and if you're driving along I-70, say you're traveling through Kansas, east to west or west to east, um, if you're over by Hayes, in between Hayes and Colby, there are some killer lakes that you can camp at, and they're super nice. Like the Kansas Department of Wildlife came in and put improvements to where the campground or each each campsite is real nice. You don't have to pay for them; they're free, and they have pit toilets, and usually the pit toilets are, are relatively newer. Um, the ones down here that, that I visited in Montgomery County and Cowley County, you can tell that the pit toilets have been there for a while, and they did need a little bit of a cleaning. But the ones that are up along I-70, I was, like, shocked when I when I visited those in, in the spring when I was driving out to Colorado uh, for the trail season. It was just like, I mean, these, there's a, there was this one, and I'll, I'll have to look it up and see what the name is. But I, I was like, man, I would, I'd come here. I'd, I'd drive here. I'd drive a couple hours to come to this place because it's just that that cool of a lake and it was like real hilly and there was no one out there and it was it was like 20 miles off the off of i-70 or 15 or 20 miles off of i-70 and so you you had zero noise so it was like real peaceful and the fishing was awesome and the pit toilets were like it looked like they were installed the day before i mean they were spotless and super nice and they even had air fresheners in there and stuff so 
you know, that that's a resource that a lot of people don't realize is when they're traveling through Kansas, they think they have to get a hotel room. Well, you know, all the hotel rooms along I-70, even in these little towns, I mean, they charge a lot for it because they capitalize on the traveler. And so if you have the gear with you to camp or, um, you know, even in your truck or just like a tent, whatever, whatever it is, you can stop off at one of those state fishing lakes and a, and a good place to, to look those up is on freecampsites.net or if you're looking on your map on your phone or on the computer, like if you're on Google Maps or, or, or iTunes Maps or Apple Maps, whatever they call it, if you, if you look at areas that have like the, the, that are highlighted in green, those are typically nature areas. And uh, if it's a state wildlife, uh, or, or I'm sorry, a state fishing park, you can camp there at no charge. And even last night, I mean, even though the, the campsite, or the camp, not the campsite, but the camp area around the lake at Montgomery uh, County Fishing State Fishing Lake, even though there, there were a lot of people there, there were still probably a dozen sites available. So you could pull up at any time, whether it's weekday or weekend, and pretty much find a spot. And that's a great resource to have uh, to save money and also just to experience some off-the-beaten-path. I've found that in Kansas, when you get off of I-70 and you get into some of these smaller farming communities, you'll be floored at the, at the killer ranches that you come across or um, uh, some of the you know barns that, that you know that like the American pickers, like those guys that you see on TV, they, they'd be stoked to stop off there and see what they had. And it was pretty cool because there were all these, these really neat... Um, uh, like old antique farming equipment that that was out there, and and you drive by and you'd be like, dude, like, how old is that tractor, or how old is that combine, or when was that barn built? Uh, you know, it's it just is it's cool to see the history like that. And and another thing I like about Kansas and also the Midwest is a lot of these towns don't change, and they have incredible uh, trees and and kind of rolling hills, especially in the Flint Hills area of Kansas. If you get a chance to ever go camp or just, just roll through there. Take Highway 177, it's called the Flint Hill Scenic Byway. Take it from I-70 down to Cassidy, and you'll be floored at what you come across. There's a, the second largest natural grassland prairie in the world, it's called the Conza Prairie. That's out there, and I actually went to school next to that area. Uh, it's close to Kansas State University where I attended college. And I go down there all the time and, and uh, hang out, and, and it's, it was listed in Traveler Magazine, I think like, like five or six years ago but it was listed as one of the top seven places in the world to watch a sunset and i can vouch for that like you go out there especially in the fall when the colors are changing and the the tall grass the grass is anywhere from six to twelve feet tall and there's no roads that go through the the Conza prairie area and so when the wind blows if you're up on one of those bluffs and you're looking down on it when the wind blows it looks like uh water like like water rippling across the the plains and it's just the coolest the coolest thing to check out so that's that's a great great area to check out um and then uh, as far as western kansas goes it's pretty there's not a whole lot out there but there are a few places that you can go to check out some pretty cool nature things but one is like those uh lakes that are around hayes and and uh colby and then up by hayes too there's also a place called wilson lake and that's that's not um, a free camping area, but it, you have to pay to camp there. But it has like really insane mountain biking and awesome hiking all around the lake, and it's just a really really cool area. So um, you know, there's my point being is that there there are awesome places to check out all over this country, and just because you're in the Midwest or what's what some people deem as a flyover state, um, it's not 
it, it's, it's not fly over to me. I, I love the fact that no one's out here. I can go to these places and it's not overrun like, like some of the places that you'll find when you visit Colorado or Wyoming or, you know, Arizona or some of these places. You, you kind of get to a point where you're like, man, you know, these places are awesome, but they're so overrun with people, I don't want to come back. And I'm, I'm finding that more and more. I, I, uh, ever since I started truck camping full time and just being on the road, you know, I hit the road July of 2015, and I just, I don't know, I, I, it's changed my perception in, in the sense that, like, I want to get off the beaten path, and I want to see cool things, and I, I want to see stuff that a lot of people don't see. Like, for example, yesterday, I was able to get on a private ranch um, to go check out this place called Butcher Falls, and it's a, it's a, not a, not a huge waterfall, I mean, it's like, I'd say it's probably like 10 feet, but it's just really pretty because it falls into this really awesome watershed area. And then on that property, that ranch, which you, which anybody can access, you don't have to, you don't have to, um, you know, have like a special permit. The owner of the ranch will allow you to go there and and check it out. So um, anyway, the there's a, a old medicine wagon on there, like the one, like the people that used to sell like snake oil and stuff like that, and the elixirs and the, like the traveling traveling salespeople. Um, there there's an old. Uh, wagon there and that wagon is it's 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 pretty dilapidated it's starting to get to the point to where uh it's you know it's definitely degrading the the weather is is taking it down and and like one of the wheels has already fallen off and then the uh on the side of it where it says the person's name it's kind of an interesting name that this person had i plan on looking them up online and see if i can find some information but uh the the, on, on the bottom side of it, it said all the products that they sold, and it was like snake oil, you know, sheep dip, um, horse liniment, uh, elixirs, like all these things that you know that just don't work. And it was just kind of funny to, to see that, but also really interesting to see it because, I mean, where, where are you going to see that stuff? I've, I've never in my life even heard of anybody seeing one of those in, in real life, and here I was standing in front of it, checking it out. And it was, it was a really cool experience. It, it, it makes your mind... I had the same experience when I when I visit mining ruins. Like you, you just wonder, like, okay, what was what was life like for these individuals or for this individual, and and what happened to to make it to where this this wagon was was left here? Like, did the person pass away? Did they have an accident? Did they get married and settle in town and just walk away from their wagon? Did they go belly up and 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 go you know bankrupt and not be able to um, you know pursue that that endeavor anymore because at one point that was a huge money maker i was looking it up online as far as how uh the the whole like medicine wagon industry was going and i think they said that by the late 1800s it was considered an 80 million dollar a year industry but see what they did was is they used things like that the elixirs didn't do much other than they kind of got you high because they, they either put cocaine in it or heroin or like alcohol, and so you just get loopy, and you think you felt good, but you didn't. They were, you were just getting either intoxicated or, or high or whatever. So once the real medicine came out, and people started to realize that those um, those elixirs didn't do much of anything, then then they started to go belly up. And I think by the 1930s, they were completely out of out of business doing the the traveling medicine show. But it's just interesting. Yeah, you, you look at it like the, the Barnum and Bailey Circus, like P.T. Barnum used to do that. And 
it's just that's like a bygone era and and when i see those ruins or i see those wagons or whatever it just makes me think like okay what you know what what was life like for those people so um anyway changing gears i've, I've kind of been complaining as of late on my, on my back issues and just wanted to give everybody an update uh, i'm going in tomorrow for my evaluation uh, i've got my friend jill who she owns a physical therapy company and um, she's real good at what she does so she's just going to kind of check me over and make sure that it's not something um, that that can be corrected through physical therapy and then if i need to get x-rays and do mris and stuff like that then i'll go see a specialist but i wanted to go this route initially because you know, four years ago, I ruptured my L5 disc in my back, and that's given me problems for quite some time. It's it's just like the sciatica, uh, which is, for those who are unfamiliar, it's the nerve that runs down uh, both of your legs from your spine, and it goes through your hips. And my sciatica has been to the point to where I can't drive for more than 30 minutes, uh, otherwise I my leg starts to go a little numb, like my right leg, which, you know, of course, that's extremely dangerous, considering that I'm driving full-time. The right leg is the one that you use for gas and brake. Uh, but I, I just, I just, you know, something happened over the last month, and it, my pain level went from, like, a constant three, which I feel is manageable, to, like, a solid six. And I don't know if I re-injured that disc that I, that I messed up or if this is something new because I do feel that there are two other portions of my back that are messed up. I have the middle portion of my back, which is screwed up. It seems like I have a vertebrae pushed in really far in there, which that could probably be corrected through some sort of chiropractic adjustment. And then um, on my neck, something something's bothering me to where when I speak, the vibration from my vocal cords absolutely kills my spine. And I can feel it all the way through my spine. And it's concerning because it's like, okay, that's not normal. And I don't recall any... Um, huge traumatic injury that would that would uh, you know cause that on my neck and so I'm gonna get this checked out and and that's the reason why I've been off the road for a little bit for anybody who's like following my YouTube channel or anything like that and for those who who maybe want to check out the YouTube channel it's it's just under the call name Colorado backcountry adventures so um, but back to my health stuff if I can get my back issues squared away by say the first of the year then what I'm planning to do is head on out to um, West Coast in the spring. I've, I used to live in San Clemente, California. Actually, I lived in a few places in Southern California, and I still got a lot of friends out there. And I want to, um, I want to go and, and hang out. My buddy Dale and, and his wife they had a, a, a baby boy just uh, about a year, year and a half ago. And then my my friends Casey and Simone, you know, they've got a little girl. Well, I don't think she's little anymore. I think I think, gosh, Grace has probably got to be like seven six or seven or maybe even eight which that blows my mind it seems like time is just flying these days uh, but you know I'd like to get my my back all squared away and then um, the documentary that I've been working on with my with my good friend Adam Steelstra uh, there's a guy out there named Jason Lytle and he's the one that did the music for the documentary and he contributed some songs to it and some tracks and so I was gonna see if maybe he wants to hook up for a hike in Yosemite because I've never been to Yosemite and I guess he knows that area really well so I'd like to I'd like to, um, you know, meet up with someone who knows the lay of the land. That way I can get to the good stuff immediately. And then go back to Colorado in maybe like April or May, and then that's when I'll relocate down to Lake City because I'm, I'm done with Buena Vista. I think I, I might have mentioned that. So um, back here in Kansas at the moment, and I'm, I'm really enjoying, you know, being um, in the Midwest because the people are super friendly, 
and I feel as though uh, there's some places that I want to check out. I definitely want to go back down to southern Missouri and go through the Ozarks and specifically like the Mark Twain National Forest. I'd like to go there and uh, uh, spend some more time around Highway 60 that goes from Springfield all the way over to uh, the Illinois border. And along that route, there are all these huge natural uh, springs that, that kick out a ton of water. There's a place there called Big Spring, which I went to, and it's got these really cool old buildings that are on the National Historic Register. And because uh, all, all these all these communities back in the day when they had the spring, you know, when, when the springs were uh, discovered, there'd be like these little towns that would pop up right next to them because it was water. And there'd be like mills and you know, all these different things that, like schoolhouses and all that stuff. Well, all those buildings, a lot of them have been preserved. And they're the, they are the coolest buildings you've ever seen in your life. And then, like, you're hanging out next to these big springs, and they're just kicking out a ton of water. There's a, the, like, going back to that one called Big Spring, that's the largest natural spring in the world. It does something like 288 million gallons of water a day. And the scenery around there is unreal. It's, uh, the water comes out from a huge cave system that's all underneath the, the, um, Ozark area and the Mark Twain National Forest is really unique in the sense that it it has so many trees and it's, it's such a dense forest I mean you can't bushwhack back in there you'd have to have like permanent chainsaw with you just to cut through just to just to make a trail so it's it's much different than what I used to experience or what, I, what I'm used to experiencing in Colorado and so I'd like to go back down there and it, I think the 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 peak time for the color down there, I believe, is the last week of October, so we're in it right now. And I don't know if I can make it down there in time. Uh, maybe I can do the first week in November, which would be great. But we'll see how my back's feeling. If I can get to the point to where I can drive and drive comfortably, then I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll definitely head down there. If if my back is still at the point to where when I drive, you know, things are are really um, painful and all that stuff, then uh, th- then I'll then I'll stick around. Kansas and just do physical therapy and I found that like yoga stretches are really helping out so I've been getting into that a lot as of late I actually did a bunch this morning by the lake and it really made my my leg feel better but you know it's it's like I don't want to get back on the road if I'm just going to be in pain full time because that's I mean what's the point in that and so um, as you've noticed as of late uh, when any, any podcasts that we've been doing we've been doing them from like you know a phone conversation or a skype conversation and i i have yet to reconnect with baron but he's been really busy with uh, they had a wedding in denver that they went to go shoot and then he's been installing a wood stove he and elsa have been installing a wood stove inside their scamp and i think they i think last night was their first night that they used it in full so um i'm excited to see how how that's been going or how that's going to go for them and and what their what their first evening was like they they got a cubic mini which that's a, a type of smaller stove that is designed for small spaces like a like a camper trailer uh, i've seen some people put them inside like vans you know for the whole van life thing and I've, I've been thinking about different things that i'd like to do for my truck i'd love to have a wood stove in there like a tiny tiny one but i started thinking i'm like well what's the point i mean if, if it's really tiny you know you won't you won't get long burns out of it so you wouldn't st- have it going all night so you'd have to get up and you know stoke it and then go back to sleep get up stoke it go back to sleep and that might be kind of a pain but eventually i'd like to figure out some sort of camper that i could build for the back of my truck and now that i'm not going to be doing trail work since i injured my back and i, I want to get out of that to make sure i don't have long-term damage to my back j- just from you know doing trail work uh, i'm going to look at, at redoing the topper in the back i may build one and i, I if i do i want to do a pop-up but i want to make it hard-sided 
because a lot of the pop-ups that you'll see like for example like a four-wheel camper or something like that they're awesome but when they pop up it's like a more of like a vinyl siding or a, a like flexible vinyl or something like that or I don't really know what exactly uh, it's not it's not canvas but it's maybe it's covered canvas I don't really know but if I could have it to where I could have something pop up but still be hard sided similar to like an Alaskan camper then I could put a wood stove in there and make it to where it's a little bit more of a comfortable um, endeavor and so the thing that I that, that I still struggle with even with the slide out extension that I have in my truck uh, currently for the topper it's you know it's great but the, the problem is is that I still can't like sit up all the way and I certainly can't stand up in it and so I I want to make sure that going forward if I do have injuries that require constant physical therapy and stretches you know once I get my physical therapy like moves you know down or whatever that I could do them inside my topper and then if I could make it to where it's four season then I'd you know I'd be good to go so so anyway, so that's that's kind of the update. This past weekend, though, like I said, those two places in, in southern Kansas that, that I'd recommend checking out, they're just a little bit east of I-7, or I'm sorry, I, I-35 that comes up from Oklahoma and into, um, it, that, that actually butts up an I-70 and then goes from there, so it makes like a big T in, in the state of Kansas if you're looking at the interstate system. But right as you enter uh, Kansas from the Oklahoma border, you, you hit Arkansas City, or, or Kansas City, depending on where you're from and how you pronounce it. And that, uh, you, you go right out of town there, you go east, and the first lake that you'll come to is the um, Cowley County State Fishing Lake. And that's a killer lake with that awesome waterfall. It's probably, I would say, like maybe 30 or 40 feet. It's pretty big. And then it's, it's really wide across. It's at the spillway that, that comes out of the out of the lake there and the lake is phenomenal i mean there was a guy there that showed me pictures he got a seven pound largemouth bass he's like oh yeah we, he goes this is con this is consistent here so i thought well probably don't want to fly fish with my tinkara fly rod because it'll snap it into it wouldn't it wouldn't be able to hold a fish that big i don't think but um uh, but it sure is a pretty lake and then the second lake that i went to was over by independence now that's about another mm, i'd say hour past the cali county lake state fishing lake that's over there and i went to it's in montgomery county is where it's at the montgomery county state fishing lake is really cool so oh check this out i got a deer coming right at my vehicle <laughs> i pulled over on a county road because i felt like the road noise was a bit much in the podcast and I, i've got a white-tailed deer just like looking at me right now so well anyway um i just want to give you a quick update i think tomorrow or the following day craig and i are going to try to connect for a podcast He's been in Boulder for a couple days, and he's just got back to Gunnison, and he's helping out the owner of the off-grid ranch just kind of get some things set up because they're, they're preparing for winter. And I probably won't be out there for winter just due to my back injury, but, um, you know, if things change and I can make it back out there, I'll certainly try. Otherwise, I'll just stay in Kansas for a while and make sure that my back gets all squared away and get it all dialed in as far as what my physical therapy and yoga should be going forward and then um then i'll hit the road in the spring and, and get back after it so uh, but anyway thanks for tuning in we've had a lot of great feedback from you all and if you have any questions or you guys want us to address anything um you know hit me up it's brian at colorado backcountryadventures.com and i think the next episode when i talk to craig we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know what it's like to live on the road like this and kind of the technology that makes it possible and you know both with either communication technology or just technology for your vehicle you know to be able to, to truck camp full-time and and make it to where you can be successful in a 
you know, operate in life, you know, um, with like work and things like that. And then I think we also want to touch on insurance. We had an individual email us, um, uh, my friend Ryan Odie, he sent me a message and asked if we could cover the insurance, whether it's for, you know, um, health insurance or we also want to touch on car insurance because it's a little bit different when you, when you're a full-time nomad, you have to tell your insurance company that you are living in your vehicle full-time and traveling around. And if you don't and you get in a wreck, they won't cover you. You know, if you just have normal insurance and try to just save it with that, it's a little bit more expensive to, to say that you're a full-time nomad and you're on the road. So uh, we'll cover that in the next episode. Uh, but like I said, if there's anything else you want us to cover, just shoot me an email, and we'll be sure to do that, um, include the, you know, cover that question in the next next few episodes. And then also, too, just in case if any of you all didn't notice, uh, we changed the name of the podcast to Nomad Ramblings Conversations from the Road. There's a new logo with it, so you'll see that update on your player if you haven't already. And uh, let us know what you think of the name and the logo. We thought that was a little bit more fitting, uh, considering you know the conversations and how they've gone so far, and how it's more focused on the nomad life instead of uh, doing you know backcountry adventures and interviewing all these outdoor personalities, which we still plan to do, but it's just going to be more heavy on the content that we've we've been covering as of late. So. All right. Well, I hope everybody had a great weekend, and I hope you have a really great start to the week, and we'll catch up with you later. Thanks.